Support for Real Pink comes from Genentech, a member of the Roche Group, who pursues groundbreaking science to discover and develop medicines for people with breast cancer. Learn more at gene.com. That's G-E-N-E dot com. From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. When a person exhibits symptoms of breast cancer and receives a diagnosis, it can feel overwhelming and scary. In some cases, they may even struggle to grasp, accept, or acknowledge what is happening for a variety of reasons. When that person is someone that you care deeply about, it might be necessary to intervene to make sure your loved one gets the best possible care. Here today to tell us about her family story is Erlina Green. Erlina, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me, Adam. Well, thank you for being on the show and and just sharing your family's story. So just let's start there. Tell us about your story. Well, you know, our story uh, started last March. So back in 2019. And it really, for my mother, started much further back than that. About three years ago, she found a small, I want to say popcorn kernel size kind of uh, mass in her breast. And, you know, my mother, I'll give you a little bit of her background. She's a retired police detective, very strong woman. Um, And so when she found this lump in her breast three years, now four years ago, Mm -hmm. she told, of course, her children, um, I am one of three, so I'm a triplet. And then I have an older brother and an older sister. So there's five of us total. And so she told all of her kids what was going on. And we kind of urged her. We said, Mom, you know, you got to go get this checked out. Right. To her credit, you know, our family, my sisters and I, we have had kind of fatty masses in our breast and we've had different things go on. So um, I I could see maybe her putting it off maybe a week, maybe a month. Um, But really what happened over the next three years accumulated um, last March, whenever that breast um, not only had the mass, but the the mass had grown probably Mm. to about the size of a a golf ball. And um, her breast was now showing signs of, um, oozing and stuff of that nature and so at that point we all had a choice to make and 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 i figured it was going to be up to me to say hey guys let's get together and let's try to get over to mom's house because she's got this stuff going on with her breasts and i don't think she's she's gonna she's gonna wait she's gonna put it off some more if we don't all come together and so we kind of staged an intervention last Mm. march and unfortunately that intervention ran four hours with just a lot of hard conversations between my mother and our family and belief systems and um, you know where she was going and why she had waited so late, especially since she knew something was there. Right. But four hours later, we got her to uh, an emergency kind of care place. And, and that doctor looked at her and said, you've got to get to a hospital. We just mm-hmm. don't have the equipment necessary to actually diagnose or anything like that. And so... Our journey started then. Um, she would go on to start treatment that following month. Wow. That is just so significant in so many ways. But, but I want to start by talking about the, the conversation that you had. So I know there's a delicate balance that needs to be held when you're having those difficult conversations. Can you, can you talk about how you approach that with your family? Uh, it wasn't easy, um, and, and and I would like to say that all of us coming together was the tipping point for her. 
Um, but really in that fourth hour, my older sister had brought in my niece and my niece came in, tears in, in her eyes. And, and, and she said, I don't want to lose my grandmother. And so that phrase kind of, I don't know if it like, you know, jolted my mother and she said, okay, let's go, let's go, let's, let's go, let's, let's just go. Um, I, I guess she wanted no more of that. But what I, what I found in, in that conversation or in that intervention is what her medical intervention is what we call it now, um, is that there was nothing left but to tell her the truth. How do you have those type of conversations? Just be honest. And really, whenever you're looking at a, you know, an, a Southern Baptist woman who has strong beliefs, and, and I, I think I had, you know, myself at least, I had to push a little bit on those notions to be, have so much faith and be a woman of faith, but then to be so afraid to go look after yourself and, and, and right. get something checked out. I couldn't reconcile that thought. And so we, we talked about everything. And, and to this day, I'm sure some of that conversation um, she didn't appreciate, but I, I look back now and it was the best thing that we could do for her in love and in honesty, get her to where she needed to go. Wow. Well, that's, that's amazing. It's amazing that you loved your mother enough to have that difficult conversation with her and to really to bring everybody together to do it uh, together. That's really, really fantastic. So, you know, speaking of getting everyone together, I know that was difficult. You and your siblings are busy and successful people. Uh, you're about to welcome a new baby into the world. Do you have any tips for maintaining your own emotional health and ensuring that you're taking care of yourself while you're also giving so much care to your mom? Um, what I try to remind myself is, look, my mom has lived. My mom is, how old? I don't want to get this. I don't want to get this. She's um, 76, 77 years old. Oh, wow. When we look at her age, she has lived a whole life before, you know, before she had kids. She, she doesn't need the kind of hand-holding, but what she needs is a, a companion. Yeah. What I felt was an advocate. Um, and, a, and a lot of the processing from start to finish of, of the diagnosis. And I believe whenever you're, you're finding something out, like a loved one has breast cancer or you're sick or whatever, that is chaos. That is the mm -hmm. unknown. So yeah. there was, we were in a chaotic situation. And so the only next logical step is asking ourselves, well, then how do we bring that chaos into order? And so I know all the moving pieces, my sisters are there, my older sister's there, my brother can do this. They're all gonna be able to do what they can do. I'm here, I'm here, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be self-employed. And so how can I now come alongside my mother and say, we're going to this appointment? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we're going to get this treatment done today. We are going to get done what we need to get done. And, and that's the best way, the best advice I can tell anyone is that, how do you move from this place of like chaos and bring that kind of chaos into order? And it's literally, it's such a cliche statement to say this, but it's literally taking one day at a time. And it's trying not to be, you know, super woman on any given day, but just realizing, okay, what can I take care of today? Um, and then tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. So we'll wait till tomorrow to figure out what happens next. So we get a, a test back that we was unexpected. We got one of those this week. It's crazy given what she's been through with a, a radical mastectomy she had early in January. And so then we got news back 
earlier this week that there could be new masses in her other breast. And so it's like, here we go again. But it's again, ordering some of that chaos one day at a time. Wow. So you may have just answered this, but I want to ask you this question anyway, just to see if you have anything, anything to add to it or any nuances that you want to bring out. So how can friends and family best help a loved one as they face a diagnosis and treatment of breast cancer? I think by just being honest, there is, there's so many, there's so much nuance. There's so many things that need to be discussed. There's so many emotions that are running high. Um, And if you've got a big family like ours, goodness gracious, how do you keep everyone in the loop? I knew early on to start a group text with my sisters and brothers to mm-hmm. let them know my mom's got, a, mom's got an appointment Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's at 9, 11, and 1. Here's who can show up, who cannot show up. Right. And I knew to keep the communication line open so that no one was reaching out to mom saying, what's going on, Where you're, you know, when's your next appointment? And so right. the best thing that I think you can do is keep the communication line open, assume nothing, and let everyone have their emotions, but really starting from a place of truth. You know, my mom, before her cancer diagnosis, she lived with diabetes. And the challenge I, I presented to her and to my sisters and brothers was, look, we love our mom. She had diabetes for 15 years, and we didn't challenge her on changing her lifestyle. We can't afford to tiptoe around this cancer. And so what we have to do is, mom, what are you eating? It's all, it goes back to just, again, very truthful conversations about this is what you say you want out of the next, God willing, 10, 5, 10, 20 years. Well, how can we get there? And how are you helping in that process? Right. Just giving them their agency back. I mean, yeah. she, she has cancer. And yes, it's, it's unfortunate. But she's still a person and she still right. makes choices. And she's, so she still has all of her agency and it's making sure that she continues to have that and keep that and moves through the process, hopefully towards a, a better direction. That's great. And it sounds like, if I could summarize some of the things you're saying, it sounds like there's a loving boldness that you have with your mother uh, that, that is helping you to help her move towards her own health. So what, what's your biggest takeaway that you'd like to share with our audience that you've learned throughout your journey as your mom's patient advocate? Just women everywhere. You know, I'm going to talk to my ladies here only because, you know, watching this journey has been so, I tell my sisters and my brother that we are witnesses. It's been so informative. There's a story being told and, and we have, we're part of it. We're witnessing. Mm-hmm. When I look at my sisters, especially all of us girls and our health and taking care of ourselves, you know, I, women, we ha- I have this notion of what does it mean to be like self-possessed? What does it mean to own oneself, own the choices, own the decisions, own the outcome? It's no longer up to, you know, the physician who you hope calls you back and, and gives you an answer. Sometimes you got to call them. Sometimes you yeah. got to reach out to the person yeah. who hasn't returned your call. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not about sitting back and being passive, but it's about being active in the, in the story that your life is telling. Because sometimes if we can't find the bridge there, it could mean life or death. You know, I love what you said, take full responsibility for your health and owning that and being okay with all of the things that means and not hiding from it. All right. So last question, 
Can you tell us how Susan G. Komen has played a role in your family's breast cancer journey? Yeah, well, what I love about Susan G. Coleman, I had the I had the, the great privilege to meet with so many people because they're you know they're right down the street from um, me here in Dallas, Texas. I believe their headquarters are here. I met with Paula Snyder and uh, uh, Susan G. Coleman, CEO, and a great conversation. What I love about Susan G. Coleman is one of their initiatives called Know Your Girls. So uh, minority women, um, high rates of breast cancer, and then even higher rates of dying from breast cancer, either yeah. due to late diagnosis, you know, w whatever it may be. And so I love that. I love that initiative. And what I took from, again, having that great honor to meet with um, Paula is that you can, you, she has a personal story with breast cancer and I didn't know yeah. that before. And I didn't know, I didn't know her story was so what it was. I mean, reactions to chemo and, ch and, and changing, complete lifestyle changing to, be where she is today to be, you know, cancer free. Absolutely amazing. But she was one of the people I met with kind of in, in those early stages of like, goodness gracious, what needs to happen here now? Mm -hmm. um, and it was listening to her story and hearing she changed her diet, she changed her life, she changed kind of her daily mind frame of, of thinking about her cancer. And now she's been cancer free for, for a, a great deal of time now. And so Susan G. Coleman, again, I have a very deep personal connection because of all the women that I've been able to meet within the organization. Um, but I think the Know Your Girls uh, initiative is an important initiative, um, especially when we look at communities that are underserved or are mm -hmm. not getting the eyeballs that they need to maybe bring some of this to attention. Um, and, and the biggest, and the biggest questions that we always have to ask is whenever you, whenever your life is um, consumed with food on the table, a roof over your head, clothing on your backs, how much can you give to things like this, give to preventative treatment, give to checking out a small lump. And, and what I'd say by observing my mother's story is well, we're talking about your very life here. And so maybe we have to give it all we've got. Maybe we, we have to give it all, it all the attention that we have in order to, to kind of make new decisions. And so I think there's, there's so much work that can be done um, in these different communities where the levels of, you know, not being diagnosed early or on time are high. I think there's so much great work that can be done. And yeah. just giving people back their agency, giving people back their agency is just a big, big, big thing that I want hopefully our listeners to leave with today is that you've got it. You have got that agency. Now, what are you going to do with it? That's right. Well, Erlina, this has been fantastic. Really admire the work that you're putting in to support your mother and that your siblings are, are doing to support her as well. And I just can't thank you enough for being on the show and uh, good luck with, with your next, uh, next steps and, and continuing that support. Yeah, thank you so much, Adam. And I have to give all of my brothers and sisters um, the credit that is due to them. They have been phenomenal. The family has come together. And I think we're all lucky. My mom is lucky. And we're just, we're, we're hanging in there. We're hanging in there. So thank you so much again, Adam. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com. Thanks to Genentech for supporting Real Pink. 
To find out more about Genentech's latest advancements, visit gene.com. That's G-E-N-E.com.